0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty back from hiatus. They sent me to the southern United States to edit our magazine. I'm joined today by Denny Carter and Kyle Dvorczyk. They rocked the show with Mr. Lawrence Jackson on Monday. Today we've actually got some news to talk about for the first time in about two months.
1: I think he was going to get to the Dalvin Cook news. The Dalvin Cook. Oh news. my!
2: We haven't talked since then. That's right. I forgot Ooh. that we're doing our show a little late because, as Pat said, he was uh, deep in the in the heart of the country, he editing was. magazine, doing at, some at, real...
1: at an undisclosed location. We actually can't tell you where he was, but but he was in a bunker, an underground bunker. With several other NBC Sports employees uh, editing the uh, Roto World Draft Guide, which will be out next month, you can get that uh, at your I don't know local CVS among other places. That's that's where I see that's where I see it mostly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Speaking speaking of the draft guide, uh, he said you were doing some kicker shenanigans. Like I think that was that's part of the draft guide in part. Uh, you've been writing about kickers. Do you yeah. like? Are you doing this willingly? Are you embarrassed about it? I guess explain <laughs> to me why you think it's acceptable and what it is. What was he talking about, or what was he yeah. going to talk about rather?
1: Yeah. So Pat uh, called me the other day and he said, uh, "Hey, look, uh, I don't know how to say this, but you wrote way too much about kickers." Uh, Did he actually, he <laughs> part, <laughs> part of my assignment was to write profiles for. Uh, every starting kicker or at least at least every start projected starting kicker in the NFL. And you would think that this would be a task that I would not desire and not really be into, but man, I was into it. At one point, I think I had uh, six tabs open on young way Koo. Okay. I think I, I think I, I learned everything I could about uh, uh, what's it Cade York uh, in Cleveland. Okay. Tell me so, one interesting thing about Cade York. What, what was your favorite thing you learned about Cade York? Uh, Kate York, uh, uh, he never missed a uh, a practice kick at LSU. Damn, this man. Is that, I can't, I, again, I, mean, I can't true. tell if you're doing a bit. No, no. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I did, this is something I read. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, but the fact that you read it, I'm not even saying the validity of the fact just the fact that you read it and remembered it uh is mind-blowing to me i really thought you just made this up on the
1: spot <laughs> i know i i didn't uh unfortunately it's just uh, my head is full of kicker uh facts but yeah getting back to the uh the magazine yeah pat says okay well you know you you, you have to condense your kicker profile so i had to go in and i had to i had to just chop out like critical. No, I'm just kidding. You know, it's a, a lot of fluff about Justin Tucker and Tyler Bass and Harrison Butker and others uh, other fantasy relevant uh, kickers. But yeah, it was, it was something where he basically Pat called me and was like, I, I kind of can't believe that I have to do this, but I've uh, I'm, I'm asking you once again to stop writing so much about, about kickers. So that, that was the whole, the whole kicker deal. Getting to the the newsy item that uh, Pat wanted to talk about, and that we will talk about, is Dalvin Cook uh, finally finally being released from the Vikings, making Alexander Madison the presumed starting running back there. Uh, Cook, you know, by the way, in this age of of dissecting and analyzing every player's social media post, Dalvin Cook's first uh, in- Instagram post. I don't know if you know this guy uh, after after the release. Was him at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, so that you know. Hey, what was he gotta, doing there? What was he looked like? He was celebrating a win, maybe as a Viking. I don't. It's hard to say, but uh, but it's you know he's 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 from South Florida. He's in South Florida, as you mentioned. Went not to school question.
2: in Florida as well.
1: Okay. Uh, Many are saying that that's his home, and uh, and so he might he might be interested in in joining the Dolphins. My my, I guess my first thought about about this whole situation is is Madison, right? Uh, I feel I said on Twitter the other day that now Madison is kind of undraftable. What, what do what do you think? Kyle, okay. where do you think his ADP falls? Because I don't think like
2: think there'll be some skepticism around his like no one no one's coming out here and saying like ah oh, madison's this great back he's he's not tony pollard right we're not doing the thing where we're like if madison only got more touches he'd be great the thing i think everyone generally believes that like madison is exciting because every time we saw him play more than 15 snaps last year it's because he was playing 100 of snaps right you know it's it's his whole career is dalvin cooks out he gets every single touch and puts up a ton of fantasy points because you know it's like the way we saw the Saints use guys off the street in lieu of Alvin Kamara when he was hurt. They did that in this team too. Yeah. I think most people generally agree that he's not this exciting backup talent that we were desperate to get any touches for. We specifically thought we could get all of the touches under the right circumstances. I'm going to have him as like a, a mid RB2. I, I feel like that's roughly where the market will settle. If he goes as high as like 15, 16, at that point, I could see that happening. I don't think it's awfully likely, but at that point I'd be entirely out. I I wouldn't get that close there. I think in my latest update to my rankings, I'm going to have them at like RV 19 or 20. I haven't decided
1: yet. Yeah. That uh, that sounds reasonable right now on uh, underdog. And again, I I don't, I don't really know how reflective underdog ADP is compared to what you're going to see in your, you know, home league draft. I, I I would think it's not all that similar, but uh, that's the data we have right now. Madison is going as RB 21 right after Miles Sanders and Damian Pierce, which kind of sounds about right to me, but I mean, it's going to keep going up though. It's gonna it going to keep going up, but this
2: is two days. It's two days after he's been, you know, cut, or after Cook's been cut, this
1: is the the floor for him. It's going up. And we're, and we're going to see, I mean, you know, we we can anticipate these things because we've been through this whole song and dance before, where a team has a brand new lead back and the coaches want to talk him up and beat writers want to ask about him and what he can and can't do. We're going to get a flood of quotes over the next, I don't know, two weeks say about uh, from Vikings coaches and players saying, we trust Alexander Madison as our three down back. We trust him pass blocking, pass catching goal line work, everything you're going to get that hype. Right. And he is, he is going to eventually, I believe get above Pierce, get above miles Sanders, maybe, Get above like uh, J.K. Dobbins into the Joe Mixon range. I th- I think that that's a little that's a little rich. I would start looking for ways to leverage that in in um and looking at other Vikings uh, running backs who might might have a role or or might take over if Madison misses time this year. Uh, Ty Chandler is someone that the kids are talking about Kyle online. I'm not uh, doing this with Ty Chandler. Are he you not? Like, are you not? You're he not was, doing
2: I think it was a fifth-year running back, committee back for his whole career. Like transferred to a new school, still didn't get a ton of touches. I think he kept that at 180 some odd carries in a season. Uh, like not highly drafted, so it's not like the NFL felt like valued him. Like oh, he was working with these other backs. He really could have been a lot better. NFL didn't place a lot of value on him either and then he missed a bunch of games with I think like a a fractured thumb or something of that nature as a rookie but he did not play a single offensive snap until week 18 I don't think he I mean he's I I would go personally that's where I'm going because Dwayne McBride also not highly valued by the NFL had Dalvin Cook still been here I also wouldn't project him to see many offensive snaps as a rookie but he was elite in college, like the, the most efficient running back at UAB, you know, let's, you know, there's a bit of a caveat there that I think he was just far better than his weak competition, but like McBride was an elite playmaker in school. And that's just something we didn't see both volume or efficiency wise from Ty Chandler. So I'm personally going Dwayne McBride mostly because I don't really care too much what we're going to get from the beat reporters in these next few weeks. We have no clue. I don't think there's a strong lead on how the team feels about these guys. Other than the fact that Chandler didn't play at all as a rookie, which is a little bit of how they feel, right. but I, I I know a little bit about talent, talent evaluation. I'm gonna take the guy who looks far far more talented. I don't honestly even consider taking like Kenny Nwankwo over Ty Chandler because Nwankwo like I think Ty Chandler's more likely to be cut or at least be a healthy scratch most weeks, whereas Nwankwo play special teams could be a pass catching specialist if they choose not to give Madison like the pass
1: catching role. So you are anybody, but you're a team. I am anybody, but Chandler Uh, McBride has a really interesting profile. Like I, I am, I am very much uh, into, you know, maybe taking him at the end of best ball drafts right now, when it comes time for draft season, we'll see where, uh, you know, where things are shaking out for, for the Minnesota backfield. But uh, I could see, I could see myself stumbling into a lot of Dwayne McBride, like you said, uh, really good really good uh, in his final collegiate season. uh, I mean, even the season before that, he
2: was like the most efficient college back. I'm not like, I'm not exaggerating. He really was like in terms of like yards after contact, raw yards per carry, uh, like breakaway yards as uh, as a sophomore, 2021, 200 Mm. carries, just shy of 1400 yards, 13 scores. That's a little bit shy of seven yards per carry. And then as a senior, or I don't know, however, uh, maybe red shirt one year, whatever in his third college season, 233 carries 1700 yards and 19 touchdowns. Like he was playing conference USA at UAB. Like he was not facing particularly good teams D one teams, but the, the lower half, the lower half of the upper half of D one sure. FBS school. So sure. Take these with plenty of grains of salt, but like, that profile, like you said, it leaves a lot of upside on the table. We don't know what he would have done against SEC schools, ACC schools, whatever. But we do know he was far, far better than any defense he played at this smaller school. I, I, we couldn't say that for Ty Chandler. He couldn't even, like, dominate his own backfield, right? So to me, like, I want to I to shoot for shoot for the moon, not for, like, if, if Ty Chandler works out, it's probably because he just made the roster over McBride. I don't think he gets that much of a role anyways.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, you, when you tuned in today, you didn't know that you would get uh, six minutes on Dwayne McBride, but but we, we gave it to you because, hey, first of all, it's June. He's good, and you should file away his name just just in the recesses of your mind. Just say, okay, Dwayne McBride. Knock one of those kicker things out. The LSU thing about whoever it was, K- K- York. York, yeah. knock that
2: one out and file this
1: one where that was. Put it in, yes, put, yeah, just just remember, especially if you're a zero RB zealot, You want to remember that name, Dwayne McBride, from the Vikings backfield to the Seattle Seahawks backfield. We had a a blurb on Roto World uh, just this morning from the News Tribune's Greg Bell, who said, don't be surprised at the playing time and opportunities Zach Charbonnet gets this season. Of course, Charbonnet is the rookie running back uh, drafted by the Seahawks very curiously uh, in the second round. Is this is? I mean, this is unbelievable. Almost with Ken Walker on the roster, but I think we, I think we, we need to pay attention here. Uh, I, I was, you know, I was looking into ways that Charbonnet could hurt Walker's prospects beyond the pass catching because we mentioned this. We have talked ad nauseum about the Seattle backfield, but I want, I do want to reiterate, Ken Walker uh, by almost every measure, really, really poor pass catching season last year. Okay, and that. You know that 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 gels with what we knew about him as a college prospect, so that that does make sense. Charbonnet, not exactly, you know, he's not Jameer Jameer Gibbs in as far as pass catching, but he's 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 decent. He's decent. He's better than Ken Walker at at, at least. I was looking at Ken Walker's red zone opportunity, which uh, turns out to be at least last year was quite ample. Okay, forty eight carries inside the twenty yard line for Walker. That was second among all running backs. Only Jamal Williams in Detroit uh, had more. So I'm thinking Kyle, if Zach Charbonnet can eat into that valuable inside the 20 and inside the 10 role for Walker, we have, we have a problem with Walker. Yeah, I think this is
2: Probably, I think everyone kind of agrees with the pass-catching part, right? No one thinks Ken Walker didn't come out of college as a, as a particularly notable. I mean, he didn't really get much usage at all and wasn't really good at it as a, a rookie. Everyone is on board with the idea that, oh, well, at a minimum, we're going to see Charbonnet in his rookie season take on third down work, split some of the early down work. But I, I agree. This is where it would really hurt above where the ADP, the ADP already expects it to hurt a little bit, but this is where it hurt beyond what ADP is pricing in. I mean, Charbonnet is like four inches taller and 10 pounds heavier, scored double digit touchdowns only on the ground in three of his four college seasons. He didn't play. It was three of the seasons he actually played at all. He scored double digit touchdowns. So Mm. this is where it hurt more. I do think though that like, this is a spot where I'm fine not having a strong take on Because if there is a a big winner of this backfield, like say like they just don't like the fact that Walker on the median carry he has is not particularly good. You, when you are excited about Walker, it's because you get two not great carries and then a 30 yard carry. He's that type of runner. He's the booms are worth it. I think he's a really good running back. I don't really care too much if he, if he busts more often than the average running back. If on average, he's a lot better than the average running back. I'm going to take that. But I don't know if that's true of Seattle. It's very possible they want the consistent guy who maybe gives you on average less, but it doesn't show up in such a streaky way. There's a very real possibility. Charbonnet goes out and straight up out carries Ken Walker, gets more red zone work and catches passes. And on the other hand, we saw them draft Rashad Penny and not use him for almost the entirety of his career with the team in favor of a myriad of other running backs. So But the point is, I think it's, it's a large range of outcomes and it's on a team that I want to be buying into. I think this is going to be a really good team. We saw Geno Smith was really good last year in his first season as the full-time starter for this team. And then they add in Jackson Smith, the Jigba, who I think is a really strong prospect and he'll immediately like the gap from him to who they were trying to work out as their third receiver last year is going to be the biggest gap of like starting players. We'll see across the NFL, frankly. So The offense should score a lot of points. They should be efficient, but they're going to be at least balanced enough to where uh, maybe we complain about it, but it'll be great for the backfield. So, I want to be taking a lot of shots on both sides. The Walker's really good. Charbonnet was a good prospect. This is a spot where if there is a clear winner, that player is probably not only winning the backfield, they're winning you your league. So I think I prefer Charbonnet at cost a bit because I think like he has that three down profile. He's got good draft capital. And I think the fact that they took him is somewhat of an indictment on Kenneth Walker. Right. But I don't hate Kenneth Walker. Like he can totally go out and win you your league. So I'm fine being like, yeah. I like both these guys, probably not on the same team. But if there's a winner here, it is a massive win.
1: I agree, and I, I also, I like Ken Walker. I like the idea of Ken Walker. <laughs> I don't know if I like like the idea of drafting Ken Walker as the fifteenth running back off the board, like above, like Aaron Jones, J.K. Dobbins, Damian Pierce, I, the aforementioned Alexander Madison. I don't know. I don't know if I'm if I'm that in love with. The idea of Ken Walker now uh, uh, Charbonnet is his ADP is going to rise. Uh, right now he's going as the thirty-second running back off the board around like AJ Dillon and Brian Robinson, and I I I, th- I think that that is actually very reasonable, and I find it difficult to fade him at that ADP. Um, uh, so I I I tend to think that uh, Ken Walker is going to have to drop to like. For me, at least, RB twenty to twenty-two range. In order for me to take, There's a good one:
2: Alexander Madison uh, or Kenneth Walker. One of the yeah. one of
1: them is
2: really good. I think. I think Kenneth Walker's a really good runner. He does other things not well, but all in all, I would say almost anyone on planet Earth would agree that you'd want Kenneth Walker for your real life NFL team over Alexander Madison. That's right. Fantasy is not real life. Which
1: one would you take of these two? And, and uh, the, I, so I, I would go Walker there. But but this actually uh, runs against kind of a thought, a thought that I've had recently. It's been difficult to shake that coaches. I'm tired of pretending that it matters if running backs are good, because every year we identify running backs who are good and they don't get any playing time. And, and even when they blow up, it doesn't matter. Coaches just want a boring dude. Who's going to fall up the middle and not fumble and then hit and then uh, get, Blitz pickups. They're going to get blitz pickups. Don't try to say that three times fast. Uh, so so I, I I do I do tend to think that like a guy like Madison is boring, but the Vikings might be okay with boring. Uh, whereas Ken Walker's obviously better. Uh but he's that, fun. He's fun, and that's scary for coaches. That you can have fun. There's adventure,
2: and these coaches are old. Pete Carroll is so old, even though he doesn't look like it. He just <sighs> wants a guy to punch his card in and like you said, pick up the blitz. Yeah. Don't fumble the ball. He's
1: running it on first and goal this time around and every other time. Exactly. So uh, we we will continue to monitor the Seattle backfield as uh, you should as the summer wears on. Somebody is going to win big, like Kyle said. I think that that's correct. I think that uh, you know because there's ambiguity here does not mean that you should shun the Seahawks backfield. Oh, I'm not. I don't. I don't know what's what. So I'm not interested. No. That's that's when you go in like, you know, as a fantasy manager, it's uncomfortable. You you want clarity, but you can also take advantage of the lack of clarity of these ambiguous backfields. So just remember that as we go forward on to the, the next item of news. We still we have we have news happening, folks. It's June, but we have news happening. DeAndre Hopkins scheduled to visit the New England Patriots next week. Uh, not quite a shock considering that there has been. Some media uh, scuttlebutt, as the Zoomers say, about uh DeAndre Hopkins being interested in New England as a as a destination. Now, I, I, you, I on the surface you say, ah, this is gross from fantasy from a fantasy standpoint. This is disgusting. Like we don't we don't want Hopkins there. We want Hopkins in yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, uh-huh. We want Hopkins in Kansas City. Get him to a good good offense. But uh, yeah, can I you know uh, politely say that in Kansas City? And in Buffalo, DeAndre Hopkins is not seeing a 28% target share. With the Patriots, he's seeing a 33% target share. Okay, like he's going to absolutely dominate targets in that offense because I know there's Juju Smith-Schuster, but come on. There's nobody there to challenge Hopkins. So I kind of don't hate the idea of Hopkins going to New England. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I
2: agree with the sentiment that the cut of the pie (laughs) – undoubtedly is larger like the new England like like you said I know there's Juju Smith Schuster is there even Juju Smith Schuster like what what even is a Juju Smith Schuster at this point in his career he is certainly zero roadblock to someone like Hopkins getting uh getting ample opportunities and I also do have a little bit of faith in this offense uh turning things around sans Matt Patricia noted not offensive coordinator assuming offensive coordinator duties last year and no longer doing that this year. Uh, Like we look at their, at their offense two years ago and they were good. Like they were slow and run heavy. They weren't going to like blow you away, but they were really efficient two years ago. So if we can get that version of the offense back, like, it's good for all teams it's good for all parties involved right it's it's good for Tykwon Thornton's random spike weeks he maybe gets one or two more of them I'm not a Taekwondo Thornton guy but you know if you are have fun with it really enjoy yourself but yeah I he's, he's I don't think he's uh, right. but it's, you know it's good for the same with Devonte Parker I'm more of a Parker guy it's good for their random spike weeks but if there is a 33% target share guy it is incredible for this offense, assuming he is on this team, to go from dreadful last year to what they were two years ago, which was, I think they are like, uh, they were 11th, or they were 10th in EPA per play. Top 10 offense by efficiency. A perfectly fine team. Well above average team, in fact. And I also think it makes more sense for him, uh, like logistically, to go to New England. Because you look at the Chiefs, they have like less than a million dollars in cap space. They have some avenues to get there. Uh, to get to what you know, Hopkins would want. They can also just tack on void years to the end of it. But all the options are kicking the can down the road and playing to win now, which the Chiefs, they showed us so, so specifically last year that they're doing the opposite of that. They're not pushing all their chips in. In the offseason where we saw teams like the Raiders and the Broncos load up, You know, really go all in on trying to win the AFC, the Bills did it last year too. Uh, the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill, and, like, managed their cap smartly and made no fun, splashy decisions. Uh, and it worked. The thing is, they were rewarded for what I would say was, like, generally smart, long-term thinking. I don't think they're going to go out of their way to, like, restructure players' contracts to add a ton of void years to to Nukes' deal just to get him on the roster when it's clear they don't need him. They'd be better with him, but I don't think they need him. So don't. I don't think they're they're not pushing all of their chips in to get him. The Bills last year did start to, you know, like the Von Miller deal, push all their chips in to try and win the AFC. They have five, I think it's like five and a half million in cap space. They have a few better options for contract restructures to get there. I could see them doing it, but they just don't have a ton of cap. Whereas you look at the Browns who it's rumored that Hopkins might want to go there. 17 million in cap space. Patriots have 14 million. And the Titans who is also visiting yuck have 9 million. All of those teams are, I think more likely not only because of the cap but because they're not playing like the chiefs are where the chiefs are just totally fine, letting the value come to them and saying we have Patrick Mahomes, We're never not in contention. All the teams that yeah. aren't that are more likely to make what I'll say is like a
1: short-term decision, essentially to get Deandre Hopkins. I do think that it'll come down to, and this is just my opinion based on lots of reading about this and being, you know, in the, in the muck of a, uh, of daily NFL news. I do think that Hopkins for Hopkins, it will come down to Cleveland uh, and new England. Uh, you know, the bill O'Brien connection I think is, is big, probably underrated in, um, in new England. Of course, O'Brien was the Texans head coach. I figure I He hates bill O'Brien though, right? When, yes, he does. <laughs> but I think, I think yeah, Hopkins is a smart guy. Hopkins was putting up unbelievable numbers sure. in that system. And I think that, that means something to a guy like that. Oh, totally like I, does. I mean, like, even if he doesn't care about the counting stats
2: of, like, he's not like, oh, cool, I got 1,500 yards, yeah. that is financially beneficial for him down the road. Like, if you get thirty, a 33% target share in 1,600 yards, like, you're going to get a good next contract. So I agree with that, totally agree with this part of the yeah. sentiment, that if he produced well under Bill O'Brien... Might be willing to overlook their differences.
1: That's right. That that's a great way to put it. And then in Cleveland, uh, you know, reportedly he's been in constant contact with Deshaun Watson, his former quarterback. Uh, you know, that team is very interesting. I think from a talent standpoint, and from you know, they they seem to be on the upswing. They have a good defense. Um, I don't know how you go somewhere where the home games are unplayable for three for two months a year, <laughs> but that's a, that's another thing entirely. So I do think it comes down to the Browns or Patriots. For Hopkins, we will continue keeping you updated on Roto-World. Before we get into our next segment, I wanted to tell you a little bit about uh, the Roto-World Draft Guide Bundle. Every season, folks, is draft season. Uh, Get your Roto-World Draft Guide Bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. It's packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Uh, Order today and get all three Roto-World Draft Guides for the price of 2 Plus, use the promo code Barry and save an extra 20% at checkout. You would be losing money if you didn't do this, and we did not want that for you. So check that out. Uh, I also wanted to remind the good folks listening to download the Rotoworld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition. Yes, that's right, your league mates. Your league mates, you know, they might have the Rotoworld app, but they're not checking it uh, 75 times a day like you are. Uh, stay ahead of the competition by favor- favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your local app store today. Oh, Pat's here! Hey, I've
0: been, <laughs> Pat, never, been every, everybody been here the whole time. No. What do you mean?
1: Oh wow! Uh, uh, we better yeah. For,
2: uh, for audio it. listeners, if you're not watching on YouTube, Pat has been here for the past <laughs> 25 minutes, and he is just staring daggers into Denny.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I can tell it's Denny. No, I'm feeling good. I, I uh, was re- I was reading the promo and uh, came back, and I was expecting to see only one face, and I saw two.
0: I'm feeling good. Not tilted out of my mind.
1: I'm sure you have not cursed at all in the last 10 minutes.
0: I I literally actually did. It's really embarrassing. I threw my mouse. (laughs) Um, mouse. Got a little controller thrower here. Someone's playing Madden, gets scored on it, chucks it into the drywall. I threw my mouse. Charter will be hearing from my, I expect to be reimbursed for the (laughs) 599. It actually didn't even break. That's really well made.
2: Uh <laughs> you're a big FIFA guy. How do you play FIFA if like a simple computer <laughs> error makes you throw your mouse? How many controllers have you broken in the past oh,
0: year? Uh none in the last year, many oh. in my life. Many, <laughs> really, many, many in my life. Yeah. Get a, a hold of yourself. Controller chucker. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. No, yeah, I'm okay. a controller chucker.
1: I'm not turning into the Joker at all.
0: No. What are you guys talking about? You talk about DeAndre Hopkins visiting the New England Patriots and also yeah. yeah where do you teams? think where do you think D Hop lands, Pat? What's your lean? Somewhere bad, because the reason he's visiting places like New England and Tennessee is that the good teams haven't shown him the money. As I wrote in my Correct. show sheet, that I was not allowed good teams to don't it. have the money right now. Like has got
2: five and a half million, uh, Chiefs have like two nickels that they're rubbing together. Uh, <laughs> And then the teams like, you know, the Browns, the the Patriots, they have some money laying around.
0: They do. And just like, well, so first off, if he's going to get the money, he would have gotten it within like 24 hours of being released. That's kind of like a truism of free agency. Like the fact that he's still on the open market at all means no one is willing to pay him, which means he should really, or at least willing to pay him what he's asking for, which means like he's kind of in like veteran discount territory. I mean, let's go to the chiefs or the bills. Like don't, don't do this. Don't go to Mac Jones. Oh, Don't go to Will Levis. Okay.
1: I did want to mention one thing about Mac Jones, and I am no Mac Jones apologist. You know this about me. Okay. That's oh, weird. This is gonna have a butt though. It's butt, comma, space, and then you say something good about him. I can already tell. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are we are one, we're one year removed from Mac Jones finishing fifth and completion rate over expected, right behind Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, and Joe Burrow. Okay, elite territory for Mac Jones. And then he was put into a non-professional offense last year, and for some reason that didn't work for him. So I, you know, maybe cut him a little slack.
0: Oh, did he? Truthing Mac Jones. Huh? It I, seems I, like the show really went off the rails. Uh, I, well, I, you I missed listening. me also,
2: truthing Mac Jones. So.
1: <laughs> I don't take any pleasure. I take I take zero pleasure. But the facts are the facts, okay? And 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 we report them, uh, no matter our biases. So.
0: I wish I had been here. I, the main thing I wanted to talk about today. I had actually been planning to leave the pod. I was going to pretend my internet went out after we got done talking about the woke mob canceling Denny's t- uh, kicker takes in our draft <laughs> guide. I was actually planning to fake an internet outage then.
1: Oh, my internet really? for
0: real went out before that. No, I'm just saying. I- that was the only thing I had to talk about today was the woke mob canceling you but uh yeah don't worry
2: we 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 got the kicker takes out of him we got something about Cade york not missing a practice Uh, kick at lsu young wake who kicks for the falcons
1: plenty of really interesting top-notch stuff i want i want pat to know, i want kyle to know and and i want any you know anyone high up in nbc sports to know anyone who wants to know i will do a two-hour stream on kickers at any point at any point you just you just send me the link i'll do it <laughs> he will. He. I wish he were kidding. I'm. I'm. This is Not a threat. Kidding. That's a threat. By the way,
0: we wish the Los Angeles Chargers had been kidding about their offense the past mm-hmm. two years with Joe Lombardi and the short passing barrage. Uh, we also hope that it wasn't just actually who Justin Herbert is, and we've been blaming it on the OC this entire time. When actually it was just the quarterback, because you know we blamed it on the OC at Oregon. But, man, I can't believe how they're using this guy. And then you know he has one good year in the NFL. Then he goes back to like turtle shell Herbert, despite having the biggest arm in the entire league. And we still blame it on you know Joe Lombardi. Well it's the, the hypothesis is going to be put to the test this year because Joe Lombardi's out. Kellen Moore's in. Denny's blurbing stuff like Ken Keenan Allen forecasting more deep balls for Justin <laughs> I, Herbert and Kellen Moore. I Moore's didn't systems. do that. I didn't do that. <laughs> no, I didn't know who's did it was it was it was a good blurb worth posting. Yeah. And something we have talked about several times this offseason and I don't even know where to begin with this other than do we really think this like this time it's going to count with Justin Herbert in the deep ball and they're changing the offense. They have certainly telegraphed that with not only Kellen Moore but, of course, drafting the big wide receiver in this year's class, Quentin Johnston, even though he played smaller than his frame a little too often in the Big 12. But they've telegraphed. They want to get rid of the dinking and dunking. They don't want Josh Palmer to be the second most important player on the team. Are we buying into the narrative that the Chargers are actually opening up this year, Denny Carter? One hundred percent. Yes,
1: I know. I know you. You. You are skeptical. Obviously, you think that uh, Justin Herbert uh, is uh, a beta who will continue to check down. That's (laughs)
0: basically did not say that, but you did just say that. Um,
1: And and uh, mm -hmm. I I'm saying that uh, Kellen Moore. Is the answer to our analytical prayers. Uh, as Brandon Staley had the analytics beat out of him last year, uh, Kellen Moore is here to uh, instill those analytics once again. If, okay, so we have uh, Justin Herbert's A dot falling off the face of the earth last year. We have his adjusted yards per attempt falling off the face of the earth. We have his, the number of 20 plus yard targets, or th- I'm sorry, throws from Herbert falling again off the face of the flat earth. And we have to so we have we have to think that they're going to try to uh to do something about this, you know, who 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 is doing this? I think it was the Lombardi system. I think Lombardi was treating Herbert like late career Drew Brees, who could barely throw across
0: the line of scrimmage. But were they treating him like that because that's how he's most comfortable playing quarterback is really like the haunting thing because <laughs> we tend to so often we we basically view, like, coaching staff changes as, like, a panacea. Like, they just they haven't been using them the right way. And just so often we find that like these player habits are just because that's actually who the player is. Every once in a while you'll get, like, a Brian Dable situation where they actually do, like, just totally change the face of the offense, change how a player play. Although Daniel Jones didn't start throwing deep. Even that didn't work, actually. Um, but it's just – I do have faith because – the, the difference between Joe Lombardi and Kellen Moore is so 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 great, but you've got, well, the average depth of target last year last year for Kyle Kyle wasn't it on um, uh, the average depth of target not for Kyle for Justin Herbert last year. I mean, it was like I think only Matt Ryan and the aforementioned Daniel Jones were lower, and that's only just, Matt Ryan, not even Daniel. He was tied. no Daniel Jones was lower according. Oh no, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, tied. But uh, just truly shocking that's so low
2: like that's shocking yeah it's like you would think like oh yeah I do remember watching a lot of games where Herbert checked down a lot I know Austin Eckler got a lot of targets it must have been pretty low you are not prepared to see him right next to Matt Ryan as the check down Charlies of the NFL and we've seen it in like two years ago PFF had him graded as I think the number six deep passer in the league I think there's probably something to the fact that different coaches have seen him and said we don't want him throwing deep all the time I don't think he'll ever be Jameis Winston, even though you watch him play sometimes and you think like he can make every throw at all depths of the field. I think there's probably something to the fact that he will not be the same type of gunslinger we have in like an Allen or Mahomes. But you have to be so intentional about limiting his dot in the way that his coach did last year that I think even if Kellen Moore came in, and they said, are you going to try and throw deep? Uh, and he went. I'm, no, I don't know. I, I don't care. Not caring, being ambivalent to the situation would be better than what Joe Lombardi did last year, which was being very intentional about the depth of target of the team because you just can't get that low otherwise. So, I, I one, I do think that they will make an effort to throw the ball deeper. But even if they were relatively ambivalent. Getting a new deep receiver in Quentin Johnston, having a healthier Mike Williams who missed time, and Keenan Allen, who, even though Keenan Allen is not a deep threat, missing Keenan Allen and then those targets funneling to Austin Eckler makes Keenan Allen look like a deep threat in comparison. So I think they will throw deeper. I don't think Herbert will have a league leading aid on. Like you said, a coach isn't just this one-stop shop to fix all of your offense's problems, but this will help.
0: But Kyle, it actually was just uh, Matt Ryan and Daniel Jones were the only two quarterbacks with the lower next gen stats, average intended air yards, oh, average maybe not that. the air dot yeah. a dot, but I'm going to steal a point. Denny has made before uh, to, we're talking about the personnel at the chargers and Denny, I believe is the one who's mentioned, you know, Jalen Guyton was hurt last year yeah. and Jalen Guyton, a fantasy, non entity, an extremely important real life role player as someone who takes the top off of the defense and someone who does get open deep. And without him last year, I mean, Mike Williams, we think of as like a downfield receiver, but he's not really like a deep receiver. You know, He's like a, he's like a downfield guy who wins on the boundary, but he's not like running past anybody down the field. No, no. And so they had no true deep threat. I don't know if just Quentin Johnston like solve these issues to where to me, he seems more just like another downfield guy where he can win down the field, but it's usually in traffic or maybe like tight quarters along the sideline. And maybe there is beyond the coaching more of a Herbert issue there where it's not like it's Daniel Jones level, but he doesn't like want to pull the trigger on those kinds of throws. Basically that's what we're going to find out this year. Like how much is the chicken? How much is the egg?
1: I I, I do want to say when I, when I made the Guyton point, I I got some, some pushback. I found, I found Chargers fans, which is one amazing. And uh, (laughs) I have a Chargers hat. I can say that. Okay. And uh, people said, "Oh, well, you're you're saying that 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 uh, Justin Herbert relies entirely on his wide receiver five, you, you know, referring to Guyton uh, for for his success." No, that's not what I'm saying. Also, Guyton—it's actually not- a pretty amazing
0: at reply, by the way. I, I kind of got to give props to that, even though it's bad faith. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Props to that <laughs> reply.
1: Yeah, right. Oh, your wide receiver five. That's what they say. Uh, that's what Jets fans say about Randall Cobb. Oh, it's, he's the wide receiver six, who cares? No, he's not. Stop saying
0: that. Oh, he, come on. He actually is.
1: He's the actually the wide receiver three. Sorry. Oh, Sorry okay. to trigger you. But, uh, and, and, uh, Guyton, yeah. So, so, but Guyton had an important role, and that was to be fast and to, and to, and to keep the safeties honest. And the safeties don't, didn't have to be honest last year at all because LA had no one who could get past them including Mike Williams who can't get past anybody so that that
0: was a major factor there is a disconnect with fantasy players and like real life football where we really we like since they, they it doesn't translate to fantasy points we always kind of underestimate like the value of those those lid lifters basically you have to have someone who's just running who can run by the defense where even if they're bad they do scare the defense and the chargers just Comprehensively denied. It's like it, it, it's similar,
1: uh, similar to how when a when a team loses a, a critical but not well known offensive lineman, okay. And, and, uh, suddenly so the any park... offensive lineman for fantasy players, <laughs> fantasy players have never known one offensive lineman. <laughs> no, no.
0: Who, who the hell is Trent Williams? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no, there, there are like six offensive linemen that we know, but yeah. So, so, but when a, when a non-household offensive lineman, which I guess includes in wall, when he, when that, when that guy goes down and the quarterback starts getting swamped on third downs and say, Oh man, now I, what's going on with this guy? He won't get rid of the ball. Well, you you do have to f- you have to figure that into it. He is like you said, Pat, a wood lifter. Okay? We need the wood lifting. And lid lid, lid. Lid, lifter, lid lifter, lid lifter. You said you said <laughs> I thought you I thought you meant like hard work. No, yeah, no. Right. Lid the the,
2: lin- the linemen are lifting the lumber,
1: the the, the yeah. tiny the little are lid lifting lids. lids. You got to you gotta stu- you,
0: you need people lifting something, okay? And and, and exactly. the Chargers had no one lifting anything last year. Lifting is the principle. You've seriously never broken a controller, by the way. Kyle, you've broken a controller. Come yeah, on. as a kid, I was a big controller breaker. Not anymore, but... You've broken a controller. I mean, I've mean, i broken a few. You can't break these PS5 controllers that cost like $270. Oh, uh, my God. You can't. They I think they actually literally cost $70. So.
2: See, I've thought about this. Not to derail us. We've got plenty of time. Denny and I sped through the first half of the show. You buy a bunch of old like GameCube controllers from some knockoff company, and you just keep a pile of them next to you when you're playing FIFA. You set down the PS5 controller, (laughs) and you grab one out of the bucket, the cheap GameCube controllers, and you blast one. (laughs) The plastic shatters everywhere. Maybe you even put a metal plate on your wall, a target that will not damage the drywall. I've maybe
1: thought about this every day for most of my life.
0: Denny's has never gamed, so he doesn't listen, understand. I,
1: as a non-gamer, does this help you do well? Does this give you more points in your game? Hmm. Well, I think it decompresses you. I you got to decompress. Really you got to decompress. A healthy no, outlet for my Oh, anger. That's healthy. That's it healthy. Just destroying property is oh, yeah. healthy. Oh, yeah. I, I'm thinking there are other healthy outlets for that. No, I, don't know. I haven't discovered any of them to be honest.
0: Maybe the three maybe, things in my life that have made that make me have like irrational rage: sports, video games the internet not working and ping pong Those are the three <laughs> I've had irrational rage in my life. Maybe
1: men should just talk about their frustrations instead of throwing controls. Oh, well, I that do
0: talk. I say, I'm Hey, talking- I'm about to throw this controller. Watch out. <laughs> I was saying, I was talking to my wife about how in the world will this hotspot not work? Uh, Why are we, what are, what are we even paying for here? <laughs> <laughs> work. Um, but anyways, uh, Bryce Young, finally running with the first team offense in Panthers' offseason break. I say finally. I mean, he's been on the team like a month. Uh, they didn't wait that long to do it, but they did wait. They they, they made him go through like a show trial or two, yeah. basically. Yeah, uh, who – is it Andy Dalton, the starter there? Yes. Or the, Not the starter. starter. Sorry, the backup. The backup. It, yeah, that, the, uh, I meant like the, the veteran stopgap guy they've got. Yeah, uh, Bryce Young running with the first team offense. He will be the week one starter. He'll be a 17 game starter if he gets healthy. He's of course not being treated like that in fantasy, where as more of a traditional pocket passer, uh, where he's going to have to like earn it in fantasy. We're not going to. He's not going to get any QB one benefit of the doubt this year. Whereas the number four overall pick, Anthony Richardson, what's going is the QB seven, the QB eight, and offseason best ball drafts. He will be going very high in redrafts too, and it makes sense to all of us. It makes sense to me. He's a dual-threat, game-breaking athlete. We know that rushing ability is a game-breaker in fantasy. But I just wonder, like, what are the odds that Bryce Young actually outpoints Anthony Richardson in redraft fantasy as a rookie? Because I'll tell you what, it's not zero, and it's probably not even just, like, 25%. It's probably much higher than that. And just like, has anyone – have we even, like, taken any time to think about this yet, that maybe the number one overall pick might be good, and that maybe the number four (laughs) overall pick – who did not really pass in college and has started 13 games, I believe, since high school might not uh, be ready. Denny, what do you
2: think? Uh, Pat, 2013 I, called, they want their fantasy analyst back. I don't <laughs> care if he's good. I do not care. I'd like him to be good. It'd be fun. It'd be good. But as Denny knows, sorry to jump ahead of you, Denny. No, it's fine. Um, You know, he's going to run the ball a lot. And you know how you score fantasy points like that? It's just as easy as anything. You run the ball a lot. So – I would I outside of injury, I also think there's very, very little chance Anthony Richardson is not the week one starter. It is a slightly higher chance than Bryce Young. Bryce Scherner I'd say much, much, much higher. higher. It
0: could be one of those things I where he just doesn't look higher. ready in training camp. And because he quite uh, often didn't the team. look ready at Florida.
2: Yeah, the team the team did already immediately talk him up, not saying like we've locked him in as our week one starter, but there was and, and uh, supposedly at OTAs, he also looked good. Like we haven't got any of this disaster talk yet. It could happen because, like you said, he does not enter the league at the same level of passing ability as Bryce Young. But I think it's low. I still think it's very low that he doesn't start week one. Bryce Young is is functionally zero that he doesn't start week one. Richardson is low, though. And outside of that, he would have to play so poorly to get benched for Gardner Minshew. A clear backup, no reason to play him other than you don't want to like your quarterback so bad you're embarrassed by it. it's possible he gets there, but I also think Steichen is the perfect coach to mask the weaknesses and promote the strengths of a quarterback like Anthony Richardson. So because of that, I think the game's played projection is really similar between Richardson and young and holding that constant Richardson's outscoring him to me. It's like 80, 20
0: before we go to Denny, I'll just say, uh, so the good news of the Colts is they do want Anthony Richardson to win the job, right? I think we're past the air where teams use like a top eight pick, on a quarterback and they like clearly like don't even want him to win the job, you know, like hey, he's not ready. No, that's 49ers well, country. Not ready. Well, Matt, Matt Nagy did that with Fields. He exactly. Did that exact that's true. Thing. It's it's a it's a dying breed. It's not dead, but it's a dying yeah. breed. Where the Colts at least want him to win. But Kyle, you're talking about the new Colts coach Shane Steichen, and and like how he's kind of the right guy for Anthony Richardson. Guess who knows Shane Steichen's system quite quite well who may have played in it in the city of Philadelphia and made starts in it. Oh yeah. Didn't he get
2: sacked like 14 times the last time we saw him start? He did.
1: Yeah, it wasn't good, but no, I, 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 I do get it. Look, uh, Minshew is, I think should be probably drafted in super flex leagues. Okay. And I think that there's a pretty decent chance that he gets some playing time this year because, I mean, the chances that Anthony Richardson comes in and just seizes the job and makes himself and makes him unbenchable for like unassailable.
0: Seiken.
1: Yeah, I, I just think that that's that's kind of low. Uh, uh, I hope that he has you know a long leash as far as like mistakes go and and errant throws. Um, I hope the stake can like like Kyle mentioned is is uh, up for uh, you know adjusting the offense and and tailoring the offense to uh, emphasize. Richardson's strengths and and de-emphasizes his his weaknesses maybe in, in the passing in the intermediate passing game particularly but you know M- Minshew becomes uh in- interesting I think in this uh, uh Colts offense if he gets a job I'm just saying it's like took a I, real dark I, turn you know, he <laughs> becomes interesting in in the 12 you know, team format if you're try- trying to stream also uh, Michael Pittman eats if uh if Minshew is under
0: center this year I can't. What kind of quarterback is good for Michael Pittman? I feel like I've heard he'll be good with like a better deep ball quarterback. He'd be good with a more no. conservative no, no, quarterback. No, 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 I feel no, like no, we no. have no idea if Michael. No, no, no he's
1: not good. He, Michael Pittman is not good with Anthony Richardson. I've I'm obviously on record with that, but we've all, Minchu, all seen your ranking, Denny Minshew. Um, right, and and you, I know, and you're working with the Department of Justice on that, <laughs> and and I I respect that. But but the grand uh,
0: jury, Denny, is done convening, but they have reached a decision. I don't think I,
1: look, hey, you can indict a ham sandwich. Okay, so that, it, that that doesn't even matter to me, um, but uh, yeah, no. So I, I'm I'm with you on on Minshew. I will say that there's a uh, close to zero percent chance that Richardson is outscored by Bryce Young.
0: I'd say there's a 44 percent chance. Bryce wow. Young this is Anthony this is Richardson, outrageous. Anthony Richardson, even if you assume Bryce Young starts all 17 games, Anthony Richardson will outpoint him if he score starts even 13 to 14 games. I just have, I could very easily see Anthony Richardson being like a nine or ten game starter as a rookie, and maybe yeah, I'm like kind of getting benched once or twice, or maybe kind of like fake injured once or twice, like to give him a breather. I, I mean, the guy was just the the inexperience level is so so high with Anthony Richardson. I mean, and the skills are still kind of raw with Anthony Richardson. And yeah, it, I mean, it like was, it, we it saw was,
2: Minshew last year, though he's not.
0: We good. saw Anthony like, Richardson was, in college. And, uh, yeah, but like,
2: there's clearly a difference. This is, we're getting into, there's no difference between good things and bad (laughs) things territory. (laughs) Uh, Like,
0: you know, Oh,
2: Oh, Minshew knows the system. Oh, you mean the system we saw him in last year? And he was, I don't believe in the knowing the
0: system. I'm just saying the way Shane Steichen's going to view this, where there's one holy script to all NFL coaches, one holy text, and that is knowing their system. They don't care about the Bible. They that's don't right. care about like the art of the deal. They care about their playbook, and if you know it. And if you do, ooh, brother, you, you've got it made.
1: That's absolutely it. The, uh, guy, uh, co- a coach loves a system knower, that, and, 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 and that's what we see every year.
0: There's nothing more holy in the National Football League than knowing the system. Sorry, Kyle, were re- re- you not done talking? No, Mintridge just not
2: good. Like, he was 30 <laughs> on EPA Horrible. play. Terrible. 38th in CPOE, like, oh, we saw like, oh, he would do well in this system. Like, this is good for him. No, like he had the best offensive line and the best receivers last year, and he was bad. So I'm not terrible.
0: And yet on Christmas Eve, the Dallas Cowboys let him throw all over them. Yeah. And then the following week he did get sacked like 14 times. <laughs> I forget by who, but I think it was the saints I remember <laughs> I remember. Oh, <laughs> the I think he like didn't even like cross like midfield. <laughs> it was one of those starts. Because I was annoyed. All of you you DFS and best ball grinders and all week everyone was steaming Gardner Minshew for Christmas week and well we saw him so throw over those Dallas Cowboys we were so excited about that it was just annoying like I knew it was gonna work and then it did work and it was just so annoying but then yeah nature. Uh, right, of course. The final and, and by the way, yeah. it it uh, it
1: started terribly in, in that game. I think he threw like two early picks, and I was tilting my face off. And then he ended up with five touchdowns or whatever. And I was like, Oh yeah, the process. The process.
0: Yeah, he threw two interceptions, and you put the, your hand over the microphone and yelled at your family, "Christmas is ruined. <laughs> it's over. let <laughs> get out of here."
1: I had I had to actually I, at halftime. I I had to uh, take my kids' toys back to the store uh, <laughs> yes. for Christmas.
0: Well, there you so go. All because of Gardner But then yeah. He won him back for you. The athletics, Dan Duggan, Duggan. I forget how to say his name. He's Duggan. been on the show. Duggan. Um, Duggan, uh, he's forecasting that Darren Waller will easily lead the giants and targets Denny. I mean, not a super bold prediction. They needed this kind of like targets commander. They went out and aggressively got him, but, you know, Darren Waller, the recent injury history is really, really bad. Uh, you know, it's a new team. It's not a pass first offense. There is a lot of target competition. Is Darren Waller worth betting on as like the supposed targets leader? even if he is the, the targets leader of the giants, yeah. like, what does that really get us in 2023?
1: It gets you, it gets you something. Okay. It, do, it doesn't get you nothing. Uh, I, I think that uh, he, he could be reasonably, uh, Valuable, but the, the age thing concerns me. I mean, he's like a super late age breakout in the NFL. Let's remember that he's the 31 years entering his age, 31 season, uh, lots of injuries over the past two years. His, uh, his a dot like went through the roof last year in Vegas, and that's not good for him. And not, not, it's not good for, for any tight ends, uh, fantasy prospects when you're only seeing like volatile downfield, uh, type, type throws from your quarterback. Hopefully that comes down, that ADAC comes down this year. The problem, the touchdown upside, and that's really what you're what you're looking for with tight end. As we know, if your tight end doesn't score a touchdown, sometimes it can get pretty ugly. Okay,
0: if they don't now, score touchdowns, and they're they're basically like Dalton Schultz, where yeah. you need it to be a PPR scam every week. Yes, and that's, that's a tough road to hoe, a tight end. Frequently. It is. It is, and
1: and so Waller might be able to do that to be a scam artist type type deal, in, in PPR. But the touchdowns will not be there. And here's why. The Giants were among the I think five or six run heaviest teams in the red zone. And they got run heavier inside the 10 yard line, what we call the green zone. So uh I don't think they he Waller's going to be peppered with targets where it counts. And so I'm not I'm not I'm just not super excited. I can't get excited, guys. I'm sorry.
0: Kyle, any reason to be excited about 31 year old Darren Waller in 2023? He should be better than he was last
2: year. Uh, I, like Denny was touching on a point that I just want to reiterate. His career, his ADOT last year was five yards up, like five yards. This is one and a half times what it used to be uh, for his career. He had a career low in yards per route run. In turn, he had a career low in yards after the catch. Per catch in turn, he had a career low, and I'm career is the, the seasons we care about, not the six catch season in Baltimore or whatever. Uh, career low in yards per game, like very clearly, this increase in a dot was not good for him. It also coincided in a big increase in usage in the slot. And throughout his career, he has been a higher yards per out run player in line. He's also been slightly higher in yards per out run out wide, which he also got a slight decrease in. Like, this was. Uh, you know, this was exactly what we sort of came to know about Josh McDaniels is that he just doesn't have a good feel for using the talent he has on his roster optimally. And this was a shining example of like Waller's a really good inline true tight end. Uh, then they obviously getting Devonta Adams also hurt his target share, but just his per route efficiency plummeted. So I think the usage increase or the usage properly increase will really help him a lot. I do agree, though probably a more balanced slash run focused team. Definitely that way in the red zone. Not sure he really has like, like two or three years ago, you could envision him, you know, coming out as the tight end one overall, he could rival someone yeah. like Kelsey when they still had Hill, right? It was now that Kelsey's like clearly number one, that's probably not true of anyone anymore. And it's probably not even true now, of Darren Waller, but like last year was really bad. And I don't think emblematic of who he is as a player And I think he's going to go to the opposite of that, where he's going to a really smart coaching staff now. So I'm pretty optimistic on him being uh, not, not a PPR scam because I think of that as like players who don't deserve it. That's kind of how we throw that around, but he is (laughs) going to get a massive boost from, he is going to be absolutely his team's wide receiver one again and used in a better way. So touchdowns, I agree might not be there. I could also see though the giants throwing more like, Oh, you're telling me a team that was like trotting out Richie James uh, as their number one receiver, Isaiah Hodgins as their best outside receiver. They chose not to throw very much. Oh, you don't say. So, mm-hmm. I could see them throwing more. I don't think they'll be a high pass rate team, but higher. I would almost bet on for sure they'll be a higher pass
0: rate team. They're higher. I don't think they'll be high enough though. Probably. It is interesting with Darren Waller Astro. Denny laid it out. They basically used him like the wide receiver that he used to be, and it just didn't go well. And what I'm most concerned about now, though, is a guy who's over 30 and has missed uh, six games with injuries in 2021 and then eight games with injuries yep. in 2022, essentially a season's worth of games over the past two years. That is a major red flag. And we'll just see if he can stay healthy and stay durable. Because uh, I don't know. he feel like he, he's a real big guy, and those guys a lot of times tend to, even a tight end, don't age as well. You take so many hits to your lower body when you're 6'5", 6'6", like Darren Waller, and I just hope he can stay healthy. Uh, But I do think Brian Dable basically wanted someone to scheme around, and he's not going to, like, build the offense around Darren Waller, but Darren Waller's definitely going to be someone, like, that they're going to scheme plays around and maybe even scheme, like, series around or maybe make a feature in the Reds. zone. he's never been a huge touchdown scorer other than 2020. Like, why could he not be? Like, he should be. He's enormous and very, very good. So there are avenues to upside the injury history and like his aging worries me more than anything else. But I would be very comfortable treating him as a top, I'd say top eight tight end and probably honestly top six. Like there's going to be some sort of reasonable bounce back for Darren Waller as long as he can stay healthy. Um, uh, we're going to end. I have, we have one more topic. Should we even talk about this one? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I literally did not write a single note about it. I was like,
0: nah, nah. You can mention it and we'll dismiss it quite quickly, I'd imagine. Maybe danny has got a different take. But Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze said Chase Claypool is, quote, definitely in a much better place with the offense than he was coming over midseason last year. And I just, like, I wanted to ask you guys will Chase Claypool ever be fantasy relevant again? Is he someone who like needs to be removed from podcast agendas? Just not worth talking about. Because guy who had so much early career promise and still has it all there on paper. A really, really imposing mixture of size and speed. But is he ever going to be fantasy relevant again? Talk about like a run-heavy offense that will pass more, right, but it's right, still right. the Chicago Bears, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the Bears, it would be shocking if the Bears were uh, outside the three run heaviest teams this year. And if they are, it'll be, they'll still be in the bottom 10. Like there's just, there's just no path to them getting to like the middle of the league as far as pass rate or pass attempts. So we have to keep that in mind. And that's honestly not good for DJ Moore either, but uh, we're talking about chase Claypool. I, I, I do. I do think that there's something to a guy who was really good as, as a rookie and who, you know, kind of lost, maybe lost favor uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, definitely was hurt by Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know, not being able to throw football anymore. And uh, and then he goes to Chicago last year, had reportedly a hard time picking up the playbook. Uh, hopefully he has that down pat. It sounds like it, according to Luke Getzey, the new offensive coordinator. So I, I, I'm I'm not dismissing him completely, but it's just, it's so hard to find targets in this offense because it's just not going to happen. When you have a guy who takes off as much as Justin Fields does, he Justin Fields had nine games last year with ten or more rushing attempts. That's that's a that's a lot of dropbacks that do not turn into passes. Okay, so keep that in mind. But no, I, I'm not all out on Claypool
0: any any counter take? No, I'm all Kyle? out on Claypool you're all, out. all How old is like, he is he still is he still one of those guys like chase Claypool is only 19 <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's, he's just
2: uh, I think he's like 25 today or something oh he literally is okay.
0: 25 two days ago there you go no. No. so and he's been in the league since two thousand eleven
1: absolutely and, crazy and the media you won't talk about this I mean look Claypool had sixty two catches almost 900 yards in his rookie season 11 total touchdowns. Like, Again, not- that
2: was in 2011. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to, to be to be clear for the listeners who are not who are not you know irony broken brains, that was in 2020. Okay, yeah. so it wasn't that long ago. It,
0: first off, that was Kyle a Bubble season. Kyle, yeah, it was, in, it was. Come on, it was a Disney World. That doesn't count. Uh <laughs> Kyle, first off, misread. He turns twenty five next month on July seventh, not June seventh. So oh, still only twenty four years old. He is still only twenty four years old, but three seasons on his belt, two of which he exceeded eight hundred and sixty yards. You know, a, he was a like a bona fide touchdown score as a rookie, like someone who commanded the ball like went up and got it and they use it as like a rushing weapon. It's just, Denny got to the heart of the matter where even if they became like the Eagles this year and like had like a Eagles 2022 level, like reversion in their offense to like a more balanced mean, I I just don't think there's going to be enough targets to go around where Darnell Mooney is still good. There's three legit good receivers. There's Cole Komet, who finally started coming, becoming a red zone factor last year there's a really deep, versatile backfield. It's just like, even though like Chase Claypool, kind of like, like his dog levels start increasing again. I just, it's hard to see him coming back into the top 36 and fantasy at receiver. Yeah. I,
2: I yeah. think you said, will he ever be fantasy rele- relevant again? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say in 2024, he will have signed. He's a free agent after the end of the year. He will have signed with the Buffalo yeah. bills yeah. and he'll have two big games with the Buffalo bills next year. Uh, someone will win a million dollars. Uh, in a DFS contest <laughs> with him. It will not be this year. And it's, it's not because I don't think like there's not promise with his profile. It's The heart of the matter is this team is going to, like Denny said, they're going to run the first, second, or third most uh, rush attempts and fewest pass attempts in turn in the NFL. And they have a true target dominator in DJ Moore. That leaves no feasible amount of targets to be a top 36, even a top 48 receiver. I, don't, I just have no path to projecting him to get there. There's hope for 2024.
0: Yeah, as we know, that never actually happens, by the way. <laughs> like football, that is like two years aggressive. from now, like football, there's like very few career resurgences in football. I think both because it's so hard on your body and just cause you get so typecast as the kind of player you are. Whereas like baseball, you can kind of like waste an entire decade. And then you end up with the <laughs> right coaching staff, and they just Perfect. like find out you're good. Like, oh it's a slightly change his swing or like slightly changes pitch mix, and then they're good. Whereas in baseball or football, your body just gets used up quicker, and the coaches is just yeah. so uncreative.
2: Yeah, like the, the juju career resurgence of being bad for a few years and getting to like 800 yards was really a – a that's what you want if you are trying to revitalize your career. And 800 yards is, is so far from what we saw in the beginning of his career. So revitalizing your career for a clay is just like making the next contract, right?
0: That's true. Yeah. Revitalizing his career for Chase Claypool will be getting guaranteed money beyond 2024. If he can get guaranteed money beyond just a one year deal, that'll be a nice career revival for Chase Claypool. It's a nice show revival by you guys after I dropped out at the quite literal very beginning. (laughs) um, (laughs) Quite literal very beginning. But the most important thing is you were not mad. No, don't put it in the paper. I actually do. I want Charter to be scared. Um, I want them to be scared of what I might do in the court of law when I sue them. Oh boy. Um, for my internet dropping out and ruining the podcast for me. Did not ruin it for Kyle and Denny. They did a great job talking about Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook, so on and so forth. Hopefully we get some more actual news next week so we have some stuff to talk about. Um, so for Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Darty. Forgive the technical difficulties and we'll be back later.